You are now listening. To the Frozen Envelope. Hey guys, welcome to the Frozen Envelope. Brought to you by Posting and Toasting. This is a podcast about the professional basketball team, the New York Knicks. I'm your host, James Marcita, and this is episode 19. Good number, 19. I'm proud of myself. We made it. The process is complete, guys. We're at episode 19. That's it. Once you get there, you're, you're good. Okay, we got a guest this week. His name is Matt Miranda. You know him. You love him. And uh, he does a lot of stuff for posting and toasting. Smart guy. Good guy. Fun guy. Uh, he contains multitudes. He contains depth. He's a real human being, you know what I'm saying? I am recording this podcast the night before the draft. I wanted to do a podcast the night of the draft, right after the draft, to get, give you the initial take. Unfortunately, I am a moron, and I screwed myself over, and I won't even be able to watch the draft. This isn't a a story that's about getting sympathy from you guys. But what happened is, my girlfriend's got a house on Cape Cod. Nice problem to have, right? And, like, four months ago... I was like, do you want to go to Cape Cod the weekend of, uh, you know, June 20, whatever it is? And I was like, yeah, sure, that's great. I like the beach. I like cod. I like capes. Shouts to Tyson Chandler. Uh, yeah, I, I want to go to Cape Cod. Little did I know that the night we were leaving was Thursday, June 22nd. The night that made this entire season even tolerable. The night that I've been looking forward to all year. So I'm going to miss it. And it's one of uh, history's great bummers. I know there's been some other bummers like the Titanic, World War II, uh, when they switched out coach for Woody Harrelson on Cheers. Uh, Not the end of The Sopranos, one of the great endings in uh, art history. Not just television. All art. Uh, Second only to the top of the uh, Mona Lisa. That's that's where art ends, right? You start at the bottom of the picture and you go up to the top. But yeah, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be in a car. I'm going to be following on Twitter. I did put my foot down. It's me, my girlfriend, her sister and her sister's boyfriend were driving, and I'm like, I'll drive back all the way, but I'm not driving there. I'm going to be glued to Twitter. It's a huge bummer. Let me know in the comments section what's like the what's like the biggest sport event that you had to miss. Usually it's for a wedding, this kind of thing. It's not your own stupid fault. But yeah, I'm a dummy. But either way, I'm excited for tomorrow. We think we know these guys. I touched on this last week, but we don't know them. The Knicks could be drafting the next Kobe Bryant, who went 13. They could be drafting the next, well, not Nowitzki. We've got the better Nowitzki. More on that later. We might be trying to trade him away. Who knows? That's a whole other story. 
But he was drafted ninth. Tracy McGrady, ninth. Uh, there's a Nick, maybe you've heard of him, Willis Reed. Drafted eighth. I, I'd take him. We could be drafting any one of these people. Probably not Willis Reed. We could be drafting the next Michael Jordan. Who knows? You don't know. You don't know that. Next Michael Jordan could be Luke Kennard. <laughs> I'm going to be so angry if Luke Kennard is drafted eighth. But you know what? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he's going to be great. It's a bummer that I can't give you my instant reaction tomorrow night. I really wish I could have. But this will be an interesting time capsule. Because you can listen to this and be like, oh my god, he was so high on Monk. He was so low on whoever. And then next week, whoever we pick, I'm going to talk myself into them. Um, sometimes people say, like, I'm too negative. Not a lot, but once in a while it happens. But, you know, the Knicks give us reason to be negative. But when it comes to draft picks, that's, that's just not me. There's players I don't want to see drafted. Like, I will literally... Uh, I don't know what I'll literally do. Burn down everything. Uh, I'm just going to burn down the whole world if, if the Knicks draft Markinen. But otherwise, I'm pretty much like, sure, all right, he might be great. You never know. So, yeah, I'm going to be in the car. I'm going to miss the draft. I'm an idiot. Let me know what you've had to miss because maybe you were in jail. Maybe you were at a wedding. I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. I'm excited, though. I'm excited for tomorrow. This is going to be big. I really hope the Knicks get two. I want two first rounders. I want the eighth and then maybe, like, uh, let's say 16. I'm not greedy. All right, that's it for me for right now. Let's bring in Matt Miranda. Let's talk about Chris Stapps. Let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about it all. Here comes Matt. All right, so let's talk about Chris Stapps. In this whole thing. What's your take on this, Matt? I was in a car for 10 hours yesterday, and I was checking Twitter, like, every time, like, we would stop. And I followed, like, the same stages emotionally that everyone I saw seemed to be going through, which is just this initial, like, hysteria at the first mention of Chris Stapps and trade. And it wasn't hysteria because, oh, my God, I never thought this would happen. It was hysteria because... It's always been, I think, in the back of everyone's mind, like, your, your worst Nick, like, what would be the Nixiest thing they could do that? So mm-hmm. there was initial hysteria, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're even thinking this. Then there was, like, kind of the eye of the storm when you stopped and reflected that soliciting, or not soliciting, but, like, being open to discussions is something every organization does. And if you're looking for evidence that your organization is an actual professional organization, then this is something that they would do. So there was a little bit of like a calming effect. Like, oh yeah, like he's not, he's not looking to trade him for, you know, Brooke Lopez and a draft pick. Like he's, he's just open to crazy offers. And if somebody gives him a great one, fine. But once it was all kind of settled down, then you realize like it's this organization. And in particular, not just this organization, but this team president, Phil Jackson, thinking about making this move and, there's because there's no confidence in him like whatsoever. So I feel like at the end of the day, if it was any other organization, I'd be more down on Porzingis because like his 
his brother had some, you know, responses today where he seemed a bit salty. And Porzingis posted that Instagram, like with the, the for real FR looking kind of amused. Uh-huh. And I've read a lot of writers who said, like, you know what, you're 21 and you really haven't won anything. And like, and you, you did blow off your exit meeting. Like, you know, if he's a different athlete, and I'll say straight up, like, I believe if he's a different skin color, this will all be played out more negatively towards him. Oh, sure. But. I don't think it's unfair to say that like nobody has no fan has any reason to feel anything other than distraught by the Knicks even towing these waters because the Knicks are like a twenty four seven pratfall, you know. No, I agree. I mean, that's just one component of this. I think it's interesting when people criticize uh, people's initial takes for being filled with despair and anger and yeah. outrage. And like you said, like yeah, for Maybe for a normal organization, this wouldn't be a big deal, although more on that in like a minute. Um, but, <laughs> but for this organization, I mean, when you hear something like that, it's logical to think, oh, they're going to trade him. And not only are they going to yeah. trade him, but they're going to trade him for some garbage looking to get cute. So mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly okay and doesn't make you like a stupid hot take purveyor if you were first filled with fear mm-hmm. <laughs> and sadness. Um, but to get back to that, uh, what a competent organization uh, would do, I do think it's normal for a, an organization to listen to what people have to say. Like, you never know. Like, yeah. like, but I was trying to think of if I'd heard news like this come out from other organizations with similar players and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't really think of like a, a good analog. Like, let's say like from a, the, from the same draft, like Carl Anthony Towns. I haven't heard anything oh. of you no. know Minnesota being like, oh yeah, we'll listen. So like, do, mean, do you make anything of that? Is this like a you know um, P and T's uh, Zach Deluzio had a pretty good Twitter thread about Woj having an axe to grind against Phil Jackson and blowing yeah. this kind of things up do you think that's at play or like what do you what do you make of that angle it was a great thread and a great article um and i think it was it's always good to remind people and to be reminded that everyone that you're reading is a person with even if it, even if they're neutral like neutrality is an agenda everything is an agenda and yeah. i have found um Woj, and i love zach Lowe, and it's not like the Knicks give you things to write positively about, but I get tired of, like, Woj always slamming the Knicks and Zach Lowe calling them the kazoos. Like, I get tired of that. Like, Can we just talk about the I kazoos do. for one second? That's, like, a really stupid... Yeah, please, please, please I mean, I like his writing a lot, but... You have to. He's really smart. He is, like, clever and fun, but that's just... I don't... That's to me, is, like, the... I mean, we all get old. We all get washed. And I'm not saying Zach Lowe's washed... But that's like the beginnings yeah. of like a Rick Riley esque tick. <laughs> like. I'm a sucker for like alliteration, but that just that's not good and that's not a good enough reason to think that kazoo's works. Yes. Um, if you ever read the novels of, of um, Murakami? Like he's reached a point. I know we're getting way off here now. No, like, let's do it. But he's reached that point as an writer where like no editor can really tell him no. Uh-huh. And he wrote a book recently, and I remember asking a friend of mine about it, and like. She gave it a terrible review, and, and every other page had to, be, you know, with something about a, 
you know, a sex organ of some kind. And I feel like that's something that if, if I'm young, unpublished writer, my editor is going to tell me like, yeah, I love everything in the book, but this is not going to work. But you're so successful, no one can stop you. And like, Zach Lowe is now so successful that like, no one's going to tell him no. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Woj, the thing I love the most about that is all the, the animosity he felt toward ESPN. And now where is he? Yep. So it gives me hope because I because I shit on ESPN almost every podcast. <laughs> so maybe, maybe one day they'll show me that love. Yeah. So as far as like, it's interesting if you look at the first. I think it's the first five picks from that draft from the fourteen draft. Towns and Porzingis are you know, Towns is completely untouchable. Uh, the two pick has already been traded. The three pick they're desperately trying to trade. The five pick, Orlando would trade his own if he had any value, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody this morning had a great tweet that just said, "Remember Justice Winslow," and I like it <laughs> because I remember. Because I just, I'm sick of like the Pat Riley sycophants and like, right. like if the Knicks drafted a kid that high who has has definite NBA skills, but like, you know, makes Ronnie Brewer look like an All Star two guard offensively. Like, we would have a big problem with that. Mm-hmm. And yet, just because it's Riley. Um, so, this really doesn't answer your question. It just gives me a chance to repeat my annoyance about Pat Riley. Um, <laughs> but, um, but so, no, I mean, so like, what do you, what's your gut feeling? Do you think this blew up because it's just Phil Jackson and because, like, Woj has an axe to grind? Or, like, like why don't we hear about other big-name well, young, young players being listened to this way? I do trained. wonder, because the question is who leaked, the conversation is not exceptional. The fact that it was leaked, you have to wonder, okay, did other teams leak this to try to put pressure on the Knicks? Did Phil leak this? Because not coincidentally, it came out a day after the Woj piece, and like maybe this is sticking it in his face, like, you know, you're not going to break this story. You're not going to know that this was happening. Woj was not the one who broke this, right? About the uh, list, think it was him. listening for Porzingis offers? Yeah. As far as I know, he he broke it on Twitter. He did, okay. Yeah. Then then I guess the question is, like, who leaked it and why? And and I... I... So here's something that someone posited online. That this, cool. this stuff all came out the day after, like, the Nilakina sweepstakes started kind of heating up. People right. saying that Dallas definitely wanted him. They hired his French coach to coach their um, summer league team. Right. Do you? And then people were like, "Well, well, maybe Phil's playing eighteen dimensional settlers of Catan, and he <laughs> is, you know, uh, trying to make them think that not only is he getting rid of Porzingis, but he's going to draft Markin to replace him. So you don't have to worry about jumping up in front of the Knicks. You can do whatever you are going to do. Do you think that's possible, or do you think that's kind of like real wishful thinking?" I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. I think sometimes, and God knows he's earned it, but sometimes we automatically assume that Phil Jackson is like doing crossword puzzles in the dark with a pen, and in reality, maybe he's not that complicated. Um, Because I feel like sometimes he certainly plays it up. He certainly plays up that that whole vibe, but... There's been so much smoke around Nelikina and this team for so long. And he fits so much with, you know, stylistically what they want to do. 
Um, you know, Phil, if Phil could take a four-year player, he would, because, you know, fundamentals. But since he can't do that with being, like, literally, like, hung, um, an 18-year-old European kid is the next best thing. Like, I think in the team, it makes so much sense that I'm inclined to believe even if Monk is there at the same spot, even if Dennis Smith is there at the same spot, I think they would take Nilekina. And so I think the whole the whole the whole rigmarole of the marketing, you know, who they didn't even they didn't work him out, right? They just had dinner with him. Yeah, they had dinner with him. So do the Knicks just not work anybody out? Because everybody just dinner? <laughs> they didn't work out Smith. They didn't work out. Well, I don't know what they're. Apparently, with Smith, they wanted their own like group workout, so they didn't want to do. Do you think, like, do you think they're just really cheap and like they have like gift certificates to Clyde's Wine and Dine, and they just want to use them up before they expire? <laughs> they the special was Sarman tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I um, did. There was a beautiful nugget that I just saw on Twitter that Phil insisted that Dennis Smith Jr. tried grilled octopus at dinner. <laughs> Which I find to be a, a, a wonderful uh, treat. There's like moral implications that I'm uncomfortable with because octopi right. are supposed to be like amongst the most really intelligent, really you know, creatures on Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe smarter than humans. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but a wonderful food. But Dennis Smith was like it was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my entire I life. I feel like that's where I feel like that's a symbolic feel thing, and he's thinking like. You know, in the playoffs, it's an eight-man rotation, and Octopus has eight legs. Like, let me see how he responds to... Like, I can totally see that. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So that I, I think that the the idea that you posited makes a lot of sense, That, especially the timing of it, because why... There's no other reason why this organization, again, assuming they're behaving rationally, would look to leak that kind of story. I certainly can't see an advantage for the Knicks leaking that information mm-hmm. at this point, knowing the response. I, I can't see it other than it has created such commotion that this is all anyone's talking about like, around the team. Keeping on the leaking theme, there was a weird nugget that came out that I forget who reported it. I want to say it was Berman or Asola, but it was that the people in the front office were trying to save their jobs by shitting yeah, on Chris Stapps, by like making it seem like I don't he's... I buy that at all. So what do you um, make of that? Is that just something that like Berman or whoever made up? Like, where does that... I don't understand I that. Think that the, I think it's misinformation or... My instinct is that it's BS because every front office 24-7 is trying to save their job. Yeah. Because Dolph in particular is not... He's actually not... He's not a Steinbrenner. Like... He's not someone who fires people at the first sign of trouble. If anything, he holds on to them too long. Yeah, he's the and reverse. It's clear, uh-huh. it's clear from his his rare comments publicly that he is enjoying the Phil um, like buffer effect, and he's not he's not getting hit with all this crap. I don't buy that. I don't, and because also there's no way anyone in that front office, particularly given this, the mellow treatment of the past year. You can't slander Porzingis and have anywhere else to turn. Like right. it's not like. So why would they do that? They're not in imminent danger. Dolan has been clear that Jackson's option. You know, he's he's in for the rest of the contract. It's not a compulsive owner. I don't buy that at all. Yeah. Um, I think is not to buy that. And I did say this. I did say this last week, but I'm curious what you think. 
I mean, if he's not going to fire him, I don't mind Jim Dolan saying, talk to Phil. Because, like, what do you expect him to say? Like, oh, I don't either. That's an interesting. That's an interesting hypocrisy. Where like, like unless he's gonna get fired, like, what, what are you right. gonna be like? I don't trust him. Like, what is he supposed to say? Yeah, and and honestly, yes. Unless Dolan is taking action, do we honestly really want to know what he thinks? Like, do you want to get all John Malkovich in that brain? No, no, you don't. Nobody does. So, I think for once, it's not working. It's it's kind of it would make a great O'Henry story. Like. Dolan finally hires the person everyone wants him to hire, and that goes wrong. But mm-hmm. he's done what you wanted him to do. He hired the guy, and he got out of the way. Yeah, it's kind so, of like a it's a it's like flowers for Algernon for our time. <laughs> be careful! Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. So I can't. You know, I don't want him intervening because also it's not like there's an obvious, you know, great candidate who's put out signs he wants to come to the Knicks, so you can fill and get that person. Like, because you know if he fires Phil, he's bringing in Isaiah, or he's bringing back Scott Layden, or he's letting Steve Mills or Alan Houston run the show, and like, no, I don't want that. I don't don't want that, and I don't think that, in this case, I don't need to hear anything from Jim Dolan until he is either extending Phil or firing him or letting him go at the end of his contract. There's nothing he's going to say that is going to resonate with me in any way. The Trump parallels are really off the charts. Like Isaiah is is like Pence. Well, He's Pence lying in wait. You're like, well, we can't impeach Phil. So we got Isaiah waiting. Right. Um, I just the wanna, what is Isaiah that? is like as the worst nightmare is that Isaiah is banned and that like oh my everything going on is actually him behind the scenes. Isaiah um, is banned. Oh, that's dark. So to yeah, kind of like Trump Dolan parallels. I can't. <laughs> so, all right. So, to to I want to really fully flesh this out at the risk of everyone being completely sick of this story. Do you <laughs> think Chris Stapps should be untouchable? And if not, or even if you do, what do you think would actually be an acceptable haul for him? The only way that I so someone um oh god someone yesterday asked, I think it's like uh, Dylan, asked a good, would you trade him for Booker and for Devin Booker and Phoenix's pick at number four? Mm-hmm. And the reason I would not do that and what I wouldn't trade Porzingis for a package that isn't bringing back an equally capable two-way player as part of the deal. I love that Devin Booker can shoot. He doesn't do anything else. Right. And the kind of player you would get at number four, whether it's De'Aaron Fox, or um, Isaac, who I love, or Tatum, or somebody like that. There's no clear-cut two-way star that you're going to get. And this team, I feel like more than anything, that's what they need to be loading up on and loading up on. And that's why that's why I think uh, Nilekina makes sense for them. And I feel like I'm not trading Porzingis unless I'm getting back somebody who is a two-way player. And I haven't seen a single proposal that involves that. Right. And the last thing they next to do is get another guy. And like, they have one of the greatest one-way players I've ever seen in Carmelo. Mm-hmm. And we've seen like there are limits to that. And you know, if you look at the teams who I know there's, it's more complicated than just this one guy or that one guy. But if you look at the teams, particularly Golden State, because Cleveland's kind of an anomaly because LeBron is everything. 
like Clay Thompson, two-way player. Draymond Green, two-way player. Kevin Durant has become a two-way player. Iguodala, two-way player. Like, um, you know, I don't want to trade Porzingis for one-dimensional players because then still, then you're back in the position of like, okay, where are we going to get that franchise-altering two-way player? And you have one, and he's right. 21, and he does things no one has ever seen before. You can't just give up on that. Yeah, no one has his combination of like first two years. I forget what it is. It's like, it's like points, blocks, three pointers. Yeah, and yeah. whatever. And like no one's ever done it. And those stats can be sort of misleading sometimes because they're they pull out like random numbers. Like they're like, and four point two whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. know, but like, but like that yeah. coupled with the obvious eye test and everyone saying he could be, a, like in, a, you know, a generational talent. Um, it seems like I don't get to me. You don't trade him for anything, even like like yeah. like even a LeBron. Like they're not gonna like LeBron and whoever. Like that to me is interesting, but like could they really build a team that could beat Golden mm-hmm. State? I mean, like obviously I take LeBron, I guess, but like to me they're in a perfect they're not in a perfect spot. But what's the rush? Like wait out Golden State, wait out Cleveland. Um, and build around this guy, like give him a shot. They st- the Knicks still haven't signed anyone to a second contract since what is it, Charlie yeah. Ward? Charlie Ward, Charlie Ward is the meme. So going into that, yeah, yeah, going into that history, um, and I, it, it, they're not the same, but there are similarities in terms of impact and and early struggles. Patrick Ewing was in New York for after his sixth season, after the '91 season. Ewing had a clause in his contract that he had to be one of, I think, the three highest-paid players in the league or he was automatically a free agent. And there was some discrepancy about how to analyze his contract, and so Ewing went to court to try to get that clause enacted so he could get out of New York. And the fear was, like, either they're going to lose him, they're going to have to trade him, blah, blah, blah. And what the organization did was they brought in Pat Riley, they placated Ewing, and then they had, the, you know, the greatest full decade they've ever had. They didn't win a title, but the next 10 years were as good as the Knicks have literally ever had in 70 years of history. Porzingis has been here two seasons. I believe he's had three coaches already. At least. It was Fisher, Rambis, Hornacek. Um, he's had the rosters already overturned once completely, I think, since he got there. Like, let's relax. Let's not do anything. He has no leverage right now as a player. And I don't think he's a jerk. Like, just let's give a little time, draft another good player, get the ball rolling in the right direction, and then in two or three years we look back on all this and say, oh, remember that? Do you feel kind of deep down like this is really totally a non-story? At I kind of do. I can't imagine. I think Phil thinks he's like, you know, the fucking Zen master. And is like playing mind games and or whatever. I can't, I really as much. I hesitate to say this. I just can't imagine them getting rid of Chris Stapps. I can't. It's too crazy. I do. I do. At the in my deepest like. I I do think it's a non-story ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. I just can't rule it out. That's how insane. Like they dragged Charles Oakley the- out of the arena. <laughs> okay. Do you think it's a non-story because he has no leverage? Or do you think it's a non-story because um, 
it's we're, we're reacting to like one blown off exit me because because on the other hand like this is all started this whole story started because he skipped an exit meeting mm-hmm. and i feel on some level like that's a very get off my lawn like like i was listening to a show the other week and and people are going on and on about odell beckham jr having skipped otas which are voluntary right and i've listened to like i've lost so many hours of my life listening to ludnick's complaining about a player like, I don't know about you at your job. If shit's not mandatory, I'm not going. Right. I have no problem with that. I don't have a problem with Porzingis blowing off his meeting, given the way he has seen this organization slander its best player. And guess what? He's in line to inherit that slot. So I feel like he sent them a message by what he did. If everybody in the room is an adult, we can all understand, like, okay, he didn't come to the meeting because he's conveying something. Let's keep in mind what he's saying. Let's try to respond in a way that will, like, mollify whatever he's nervous about. But I don't feel like this is this scandalous, like, like he stormed out in a huff. And, you know, like, I, I don't... And no, I understand I, it is the, so you can't ever be, like, confident of goodness. No, I, I I'm like with you. And I think it speaks to... Um... I think there's a lot um, at play here when people side with owners and management. Um, yeah. And a lot of times it's like racially coded. Um, Absolutely. At, at this instance, hard to say that because Chris Depps is white. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I do think that it, it's strange to me that people instinctually it seems sports fans side with like ownership and i don't really get that to me i'm i'm like labor like you got it like like think about your work who is at their job and is like yeah my my boss really cares about me i'm sure it exists but like <laughs> not not right. usually you know right. uh, so i'm kind of with you in that i i think he I think the better thing to do probably would have been to go to the exit meeting and say X, Y, Z, this is what I'm pissed about, but maybe they have other goals and maybe their goals are, if I go and say X, Y, Z privately, people won't know how messed up the situation is. But if I put it in the media, I mean, it's a, it is a business that whose terms are largely dictated by the media. I mean, players have million multi-million dollar clauses in their contract about the way the media votes on awards, you know, just to use yep, like yep, one yep. example. Um, so yeah. it's, it's not unfair of them to use the media to send a message. And if that message is to, you know, the public at large or Jim Dolan or whoever it might be, it's not necessarily um, immaturity and stupidity and like selfishness. Although I'm not a hundred percent against that interpretation, but I think it's complicated. What's exhausting is that, like, it's a non-story that can only become a story if widespread organizational incompetence turns it into one. And the thing is, that's the default position with everything that happens with the Knicks. Mm -hmm. So it's not anything. It shouldn't be anything. It probably won't be anything. But everybody in two years when he gets traded to the Lakers for Brooke Lopez... We'll be like, yeah, that's the next. <laughs> um, well, just to, to end this on a fun note. So Chris Depps, uh, you know, put up like an Instagram story of him looking quizzically yes. in, into the camera with FR 
on it. Did you know what FR meant? I had no idea. Am I just super old? I had no idea. I saw it and I was like, France? Like, I had no idea (laughs) what it was about. Apparently it means for real. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to give... I do want to give out my Bargnani early, and it's to okay. the shirt that Chris Daps was wearing in that picture. I said this on Twitter. It looked like a tramp stamp for his shoulders. It was like this yellow shirt with this weird design like around the neck and shoulders. Um, very like Euro club. Uh, yeah. Not, I yeah. I that was pretty good. I wasn't feeling it. Do you have any other thoughts on Chris Stapps, or should we move on? I haven't run you any other. Well, let me wait. I'll hold one until the end. Okay. Um, the draft is tomorrow. I am incredibly mm-hmm. bummed that, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I actually, I mentioned this in the intro, but I, I, I'm missing the draft because uh, months ago, my girlfriend was like, do you want to go to Cape Cod uh, this weekend? And I was mm-hmm. like, sure. Her family has a house up there, which is amazing. So I feel like history's greatest monster for complaining. But I, but I did not realize that we were driving up there on Thursday night. I'm gonna be in a car. Yep. And I'm gonna miss it, and I'm so bummed. I mean, I'm gonna like follow on Twitter until my phone dies. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. No, that's what Yeah, but what are you doing for the draft? Do you have any like routine? Um, Do you have any like good luck charms? Like, what's your vibe for tomorrow night? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, because the Knicks have never had picks in my lifetime, so I've never really had a chance to develop any kind of like, ritual. Um, and you're like what? You're my... in your 60s, right? Something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching it on my laptop. Um, it's actually less exciting in some ways than it used to be because there's such saturation of coverage, thanks to people like us, uh-huh. that I feel I already know like who the choices will be. Um, and also, I don't... I have absolutely zero preference to who they take. Like, I don't want Markkinen, obviously, but, like, if if they take Monk or Nilekina or Smith, I I really don't care. Because... That was going to be my next question. You really don't find yourself in any way, like, being like, okay, I want this guy? No, you know why? Because they need everything. Yeah. Um... None of those play. The only one of those players who's potentially two ways is Nikina. But again, I feel like he's the one that I that there's the least amount of um, track record to go by. Um, he's played, I believe, half as many minutes um, in his league as Porzingis did in Spain. Um, so I want a two-way player, but I feel like Nikina is the best shot to be a bust. I want a shooter, but I feel like. Um, then if I get Monk, I'll be like, well, great, he can shoot, but, like, what kind of guard are you going to play next to him because he's 6'3 with short arms and, like, who's he going to guard? Right. Dennis Smith does a lot of things that they, they don't have anyone who can do, but similar problem to Monk, um, and he seems to have a lot more question marks about um, intangibles, shall we say. So mm-hmm. I really feel like I'm not – I don't have any feeling because anyone – any I want them to take a guard because I don't think Isaac will be available. And whichever of those three guards they take, they really won't be... Um, I really can't give a read on them until I see who they pair with them. Right. I'm like I, I, I'm I similar. Sorry. I know. I was just saying, if they could take Neil Akina and Monk or Smith, great. If they get a second pick that's like no lower than 15, 
I'll kind of right. be ecstatic with no matter who they pick. Agreed. If they get Monk and like Donovan Mitchell, okay. Yeah. I'll pay attention. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll feel like, okay, now I have something to think about. But um, I also just feel like I think I've hit a personal maximum threshold of like everyone's so stupid about the draft. Like every year we're all so stupid about it and nobody knows anything that I don't have the energy anymore to like get invested in such an unknown. Like I, I can't see them take Monk and like have a strong feeling either way because he could be an all-star. He could be J.R. Smith. He could be a bust. Yeah. Um, I've been harping on that. I mean, all, all up and down the first round, you have examples of yeah. like, generational talent. They could come at any pick. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the, like the percentages are better for like the top pick. I get it. But there's there's no reason to believe they can't get at least like a one time all star. <laughs> I mean, here's a question: how many how many guys are the how many people who are who are projected to be taken before the Knicks have a shot at them? How many of those players are you in love with and like you wish to God the Knicks could get them? I'll tell you what: I don't really like Jackson. I don't really like Isaac. Like I get their upside. I'm not in love with these guys. Right. Yeah. You watch Jackson play, and I know he's like this kind of like Swiss Army knife on defense. Like everyone's like, oh, so he's going to be Draymond. Like, first of all, hold your horses. <laughs> and second of all, on offense, like, he's pretty raw. He's pretty raw, like Josh Jackson. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, like, some personal issues that I really don't like. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, Tatum looks like really polished offensively. You know who else was coming out of college? Uh, Jalil Okafer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony. <laughs> also Carmelo like, Anthony, but who may not be great for the modern game, right? Like I say, like modern kind of loosely. Like, like five of these guys could be huge busts. Like you really don't know. Everyone's so sure. Ball could be a bust. Fox can't shoot. Um, I, I can't. You know, I guess Fultz is the only one who like, and even Fultz like, I don't. I, I think people might make too much of this, but like. The teams have never really been that successful at any level, and I know, like, whatever. But it's not, and he's not—he's not also like an established two-way guy. Everyone's like, "Well, he's really good on offense, and he has long arms, so he he could be good on defense." But there's not—you know—there's not a Towns in this draft. There's not a LeBron. Um, there's really not even a Porzingis. Like, who, who's the highest—the highest projected two-way talent is what? Jackson? I mean, people would say Fultz, right? But I feel like most of the defensive praise of Fultz is like what you think he can be, not what he's shown. He wasn't like right. a lockdown defender in college. So like, where are we finding that? Okay, like here's their, here's your complete stat. And I know it's not just about that. Like, you know, Steph Curry is not a two-way stud. Um, but I just feel like I don't have the energy anymore to act like I know enough to care. Yeah. I'm going to wait to see who they take. When training camp comes or preseason, then I'll start caring. Um, well, one last uh, draft thing, because it's been talked to death here and everywhere. If, um, let's say that this report is true, that the Mavs are in love with Frank and he's sitting there at uh, mm-hmm. at eight for the Knicks, do you think it's a good idea to, in that like hypothetical, draft him to try to get more out of the Mavs, even if he's no. not necessarily your guy? No, because no. I think Dallas, and I have, a pro- I have problems with them as, or- as an organization, but I think 
they're way more competent than the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Dallas is Dallas is thinking, but if he's not there, we're going to take Dennis Smith and be just as happy. And the Knicks aren't the kind of team that I see like pulling off that kind of move. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm kind of with you I, I, again. Not a GM. But I think you take right. your guy. Like, take your guy. Yeah. If you don't like anyone that much, all right, that's different. It's it's hard to know without knowing their thinking what they should do. Um, and I think especially you have to now appeal to your to to your franchise, which right now is Porzingis. You have to show him like we're going to take the guy that we think is going to help immediately, like the most. Not okay. We'll take like the guy who was third on our list, but. We'll get Dallas's first round pick next year, which turns out to be seventeen. No, like get the guy that you think is available that will help you the most, and just go to work with that. Yeah, I would love to dig into more of the idea. There's a lot of like smartly written articles that I've written that have not, not that I've written that I've read, right. uh, um, <laughs> where where people like praise trading down. So they're like, well, when you combine their war. They're projected, you know, war or whatever. It's like, and I, I get that. I'm not like saying that's a bad way to think, but I do think there's something to getting the one guy who can have more of a gravitational pull on the court in the way that they affect a game plan than like mm-hmm. what their projected box plus minus is over their career. You're like, well, if you add this plus this, that's nine, and that's better than the seven from that one guy. Yeah, and maybe those stats we're... take into account like points that you get off of assists and blah, 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 blah. The thing that I've, like, quantifying stuff is great, but I'm always going to be someone who's, like, in favor of, that That ain't everything. You need that information. Right. Um, but you can't quantify the world 100%. Because if you could, then you would know exactly what's going to happen in the future, and you don't. And you never will. And 14 teams, 14 teams would not have passed on Kawhi Leonard if you could quantify everything. Exactly. So I think you it's can. good to look at that stuff, but... When you start living off yeah. of it, like the Joe Girardi binder, like it's across sports <laughs> references, once in a while you gotta you gotta mix it in with some gut. I maybe yeah. I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot, but no, I think it's I think it's good to have the information to like you gotta have the I information. Think maybe it helps you with a tiebreaker decision, but that can't be what drives it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. I think we're we're getting to about that time. You know what? Uh, I was gonna debut a new segment, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. Uh, uh, how frisky are you feeling? Do you want to try a new segment, or do you want to do Clyde's and Barnianis? Um, you know, let's just do Clyde's and Barnianis. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah let's do Clyde's and Barnianis. Okay, I think right. this my, has been, pe- people are. I think people are sick of basketball right now. So let's a keep, bit. It's been a lot. Let's keep it short. I break. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was trying to explain to my fiance because, like, you know, the Knicks season ended, but then there's the playoffs. And then the playoffs ended, but then there's the draft. And then the draft ends, but then there's free agency. Right. Um, I want a break. So Yeah, it's like I can't get uh, enough of it, but I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's enough at some point. All right. So my Barnani goes to Danny, to Danny Ainge. Mm. Um because I feel and I know, oh, he might he might do this for Paul George or Jimmy Butler or whatever. But I feel like the Celtics for years have been like, oh my God, like they can do anything, they can do anything, they can do anything. And I just feel like this past week and that trade with Philadelphia and everything, 
they seem to me like the team that is constantly trying to show you how smart they are. Yep. And they really don't have anything to show for it. I think like, he's getting way too cute. They can get they can trade for Paul George or Jimmy Butler, and they can sign Gordon Hayward, and they're still not going to be Cleveland. Um, and you might want to try to build for two, three years from now, but like it's really kind of dangerous in the NBA to try to forecast too far down the road. Mm-hmm. Like Philly's doing that too. You keep hearing like, "Oh, this legendary super team." What if Embiid's knee? What if Embiid's knee like? blows apart next year again or he has another foot problem yeah or yeah so i just feel like he hasn't played a game yet yes he looks good or he did great you know some nice passes in the preseason last year but like uh ainge is my dud just because i feel my bargnani because i feel like you just you know don't be such a smart ass just take the best 18 year old in the world that you it's a cheap contract like do that. And everyone you know wants Fultz, too. Like, you could still trade him after. It, it just... Absolutely. If they were going to do it, I, f- I really feel like he could have got more. And then, you know, again, I'm not talking yeah. to these guys on the phone, but it, they got, like... It's like they only get the Lakers pick if it's two through five next year. It's like, okay. The conditions look third. And then two years after. So the best you can... Pick. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, they're talking about, like, well, we just want to collect assets because our team's so good. But it's like, so you're collecting an asset for two years from now? It's a, I don't know. Like, Your team barely beat the Wizards and then got destroyed by the Cavs. And it didn't matter that Isaiah Thomas was hurt. He still would have gotten destroyed. By they might have lost to the Bulls if Rondo didn't get hurt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, like... that, the Celtics are my Bariani. They're my eternal Bariani. Yes. So that's not really like I like it. Uh, my client is going to go to my fiance because Aww. the whole family eating lasagna, and she is very sweetly, patiently, like waiting for me to finish this to go join them. Um, so and, that's uh, why you didn't want to do the new segment. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not here because I'm stupid. <laughs> very good. Those are very good Barnyatis and Clydes. I echo them both. Um, I gave up Barnani earlier to Chris Tapps' shirt from his Instagram post. I, <laughs> I will stand by that. My Clyde, I don't know. Uh, who do I want to give my Clyde to? I, I feel like just like the army of beat reporters that keeps me endlessly entertained this time of year. <laughs> like anyone sure. who is crazy enough to dedicate their life to covering basketball full time, um, mm-hmm. it's not an easy one. And it just helps the days pass. And. Twitter. Despite some of the internet commenters think, even when you do this as a side hustle, it's not easy coming up with content every every week, much less every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's just been so yeah. much content, and I've been just IV dripping it into my eyes, and I <laughs> I can't single out any one person, but I want to thank them all. Uh, just the bas yeah. the basketball uh, journalism universe. It's a wonderful place, full of wonderful people. So. That's my Clyde. So that was fun, right? Yeah. Always a good time talking to Matt Miranda. What can I say? What can I say? You know what I can say? I can say thank you for listening to The Frozen Envelope. 
I can say that the Knicks are going to draft the next Michael Jordan tomorrow, whoever that may be. And I can say that we'll be back next week with another episode of the world's number one Knicks podcast, The Frozen Envelope. Love you guys. Be nice to each other. Root for whoever the Knicks draft tomorrow. Don't be the crying kid. I mean, if it's Markkinen, be the crying kid. Don't be the crying... If it's Markkinen, don't be the crying kid, but just destroy everything. Just, like I said before, burn down the whole world. It doesn't need much help. It's already on fire. Fan the flames. You know what I mean? Everyone but Markkinen.com is what I'm trying to say. All right. Let's do this. Go the Knicks. Let's get Monk. Let's get him in. Fuck what I said about everything before. I want Monk and no one else. I don't know. We're going to be good, no matter what happens. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that everything works out for the best. <laughs> Always, right? That's how life is. <sighs> okay, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys for listening. It's been a blast. <laughs>